you're a Filipino, if you have Filipino blood running through your veins, then today there is a luncheon specifically for you after the second service, and we'd love to have you come to that. There will be food served, and then a meeting afterwards. It'll take place right after the second service. So if you're Filipino, (laughs) I would love to have you come to that luncheon today, okay? That would be great. Second thing is that on February 23rd, there's going to be 2001 becoming part of the body, a class that's designed specifically for people who are new to our church. And so if you're new to our church, we'd love to have you come and join us on February 23rd, a couple of weeks from today, and be there for that uh, uh, becoming part of the body session afterwards. And I think you'd be blessed by that as well. There'll also be food served uh, on that occasion. And then I also know that in between the two services next week, there's also going to be some food served. And so we've got food coming out of our ears in this church right now, and we'd love to have you come and eat some of it, okay? That would be great. I think I may have told you about the time when uh, I was a young father. I had three little kids and uh, decided that I would go and not with my wife, because she had something to do that day. She would swear that I just deserted her, okay? But what really happened was that the three of us, the three kids and I, got in the truck when Robin had something to do, and we headed off into the woods to get our Christmas tree. We wanted to cut it down for ourselves. So we went out, and we, after a two-hour drive and trekking through the snow and everything, we finally found this tree that was just beautiful. It was big, it was bushy, it was perfect, perfectly green. Everything was wonderful, but it was a little bit too tall. So I, I cut the bottom off, you know, cut the tree off uh, at the bottom, put it in the back of my truck, and I thought, well, when I get home, I can, I can uh, saw the bottom off and make it the right height. It's probably too, it's too big around at the bottom to fit the tree stand anyway, and so I'll just cut the bottom off and keep going up until uh, I get it short enough, and then we'll get it in the house. So I took it home, had a discussion with my wife about how I'd left her all alone when I took the three kids off to do the uh, tree thing. And then... Um, I thought, well, I'll, it's time for me to cut the tree now because it's too tall. And I'll cut this and we'll get it in the house. So I took it out to the garage or pulled it out of my truck and took it in the garage. And I got ready to cut the bottom off. And I realized very quickly that about this far up from the bottom of the tree, this big, beautiful, bushy tree branched into two equally symmetrical parts. Which meant that I couldn't I couldn't cut it off. I I couldn't, it it was too low, that where it branched was too low to the bottom. Both parts were still going to be too tall. Uh, But the problem also was as soon as I cut them, if I took only one, of course, I would have only half a tree because the inside of the tree was not filled out. Only the outside of the trees were filled out. So I, I basically, I spent two hours with the kids, infuriated my lovely wife, and had no Christmas tree to show for it whatsoever. It was a total disaster of day. Now, the, the, the point here is that there were two perfect parts here, however, of this tree, two equal parts that I could do absolutely nothing with. They had to stay together because to separate them meant I had nothing at all, and yet the tree was still way too tall. So I had nothing. Well, today, we have two parts to this sermon, and you've got to have both parts. If you try and take them apart, you're going to be in trouble. And that's both the way the sermon fits together, but it's also theologically true. And you'll see exactly what I mean in just a little while. I want you to turn, well, you can just look at it on the screen if you want to. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. If you enjoy looking in your own Bibles, please do. But look at 2 Corinthians 13, 14. 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is the start of part one. Now, this passage is typically used in churches for benedictions. It's very common for, for churches to read this passage at the end of a service. And so a lot of people are familiar with this passage. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It just sounds like a benediction. Now, unfortunately, benedictions very quickly turn into rituals. And people get used to benedictions being said. And so pretty soon those words begin to have very little meaning. In fact, the other night in our life group, uh, I don't know if you know Wesley Canning or not, Wesley Canning, on Thursday night in the life group that I have here at the building, we read this passage. And after we finished it, Wesley said, that's the benediction. And the reason he said that is because he's Presbyterian. He's from Ireland. And he's a very staunch Presbyterian. And he reads the benediction every Sunday in church when he's back in Ireland as a Presbyterian. And so he saw this, we read this together, and he said, oh, that's the benediction. And then as the evening unfolded, he looked at me at one point, looked at the group, and he said, you know, I've, no, he said, yeah, no, I've never read this before, or something like that. And he said it so quickly, I couldn't have a clue what he said, because he talks, I mean, it's that thick accent, and he talks really fast, and I don't understand him. And I'm way better than everybody else in the group in understanding him, but nobody else gets him at all. I, I get up about half of what he says. Anyway, Wesley said, this is, this is amazing. He said, I have never read this before. He said, I've heard it all my life, but I have never taken this passage out of the Bible and done anything with it in terms of making it meaningful in my life. And so he saw some things in this that he had never seen before. And I think that's right. This is so much more than a benediction. This is not a benediction. This is a prayer. And it's even more than a prayer. It's a Trinitarian statement. If you look, Father, Son, and Spirit are both here. All three here, I should say. And God has done something through this text to say something significant about, especially this morning, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what we share together. And that is what closes out this book of 2 Corinthians, is this statement about fellowship. In fact, we're doing the study of the Holy Spirit, for those of you who are guests this morning. We've been doing this for months now. And the focus today is on the statement about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that is ours. It's interesting that when you turn to other places in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is specifically responsible for bringing us close to God, for making us one with Him, for bringing our hearts into His presence. So look at this passage. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, or what does it say? Children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. And so the Spirit creates this special relationship. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. You know, I'm, uh, I'm very close to my wife, and I love her very much. Just as close, in many ways, 
is the girl sitting next to her this morning. You know, this passage says that God, through His Spirit, makes us adopted children of His. And the Spirit builds relationship between ourselves and God and joins our hearts and lives together with Him. And I know what that's like. I know exactly what it's like to have somebody adopted as a child of mine. And I know how special that relationship is. I know how wonderful it is to have Megan as my daughter. I know what a blessing it is for her to be in our family and to share this special relationship that we share. I think the Holy Spirit had something to do with that relationship too. There's no doubt about it. God is in the business of setting the lonely in families, Scripture says. And the Holy Spirit, I absolutely believe, has brought Megan into our lives and built relationship with us. But the text says that we have that kind of relationship with God and that we have it specifically because of the Holy Spirit. And so what we receive in Christ is made more sure, is fleshed out, filled out, and completed by our fellowship with God that is created and maintained by the Holy Spirit. And we need to remember that. God's Spirit has united us together with Him. The Spirit is a creator and developer of relationships firstly and in our relationship with God and Christ. That's what He does. He builds relationship between ourselves and God and I'm so grateful that He does that. Well, that's part one. Part one is, is that we have a special relationship with God because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we need to just recognize that and live in light of that relationship that we have with God. But this text is interesting because it says more than that. Look at the part in yellow just above the part that I already read. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for all restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here send their greetings. Now what those words mean, and they come just before the part that says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, those verses talk specifically not about our relationship with God, but our relationship with each other. Look at the language. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. And when he says that, what he's really talking about is um, restoration of relationship. You have to know the rest of the context of 2 Corinthians, but that's what he's meaning. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here, send their greetings. Do you sense everywhere in those verses relationship? It's all over the place. And so the whole context of this fellowship that we have in the Holy Spirit is this fellowship that we have with one another. I mentioned just a moment ago this, the context for 2 Corinthians, but it's really the context of, of Paul's relationship with the Corinthian church in general. You read 1 Corinthians and it's a problem. There is strife in that church, disunity of all kinds, all kinds of problems in the Corinthian church when Paul writes 1 Corinthians. And then you get to 2 Corinthians and Paul himself is attacked. And he talks at great length about how there are these people who think of themselves as super apostles, 
who are attacking Paul and his ministry. And again, there's tons of disunity, not just within the Corinthian church, but tons of disunity between Paul himself and people within that church. And then he ends 2 Corinthians like this. Because he wants so badly for there to be this wonderful relationship between brothers and sisters in Christ. And he recognizes that the Holy Spirit's ministry and impact on those relationships is crucial. Now look at this text. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, I put those words in white because they really are very similar to the benediction that was at the end of 2 Corinthians. Same kind of thoughts. You have encouragement from being united with Christ. You have comfort from Christ's love. And then we had this common sharing, and really that's just the word for fellowship. Fellowship in the Spirit. And tenderness and passion in that relationship. And then look at the yellow. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded. So now we've gone from vertical to horizontal again. Having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each to the, uh, each of you to the interests of others. Do you see that? There is direct connection between the relationships that we have vertically with God, where we have encouragement from being united with Christ and comfort from his love and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and then this horizontal relationship that we have with each other, where we put others above ourselves and we care deeply for those people and build strong relationship with them. You know, another way that this plays out in my life besides uh, the adoption that Robin and I have experienced with Megan that has been so wonderful is that I myself live a life that is absolutely blessed by, fulfilled by, um, governed by the relationship that I have with the church. And I've told my story so many times that you may get sick of hearing it. But you know, by the time I was 19 years old, I was on my own. I was, I, I had in one sense, no one really in the world watching out for me, taking care of me, having relationship with me. Except for those in the church. And the relationships that I've built with the church over the last 40 years has absolutely sustained me and been for me every bit of what family is supposed to be for me. And so when Robin and I went to Long Beach and built relationships with the church there as we ministered for about five years or so, when I left Long Beach, I bawled like a baby for 45 minutes as we drove out of Los Angeles. When we went to Victoria and I was there for 15 years, and we served with that church and loved those people and raised our kids there. When we got on the ferry in 2001 to move to Dallas, I cried for the whole ferry ride. (laughs) When we got ready to leave the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ that had been so precious to us while we were there for four and a half years in Dallas before we came here, it was with agony that we separated ourselves from those people. And then we come here and we build relationships. And I don't know what will happen. I don't know if this relationship will last for a long, long time or if it will be over tomorrow. 
But I can tell you that when it finally ends, if, and if, if it does, then my heart's going to break and we'll leave Calgary and I'll sob all the way from here to Banff <laughs> or wherever. And that's because God, through His Spirit, creates relationships among His people. And I'm so grateful that He does. It starts with the relationship that we have with Christ through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But it's completed as the Spirit works out in us, again, relationship. And we have shared something profound, something wonderful that very few ever really get to share if they're not in relationships like this. Last night, Robin and I were getting ready to crawl into bed. And, uh, you know, I actually I got into bed before she did, so I'm kind of laying there. She's getting ready to crawl into bed. And she said, we started talking about fellowship in the church and I don't even know if you remember this saying this honey but she just said she looked at me and she said you know the world longs for what we have and I think she's exactly right there are so many lonely people and they long for what it is that we have what we have in Christ the fellowship that we have in the Holy Spirit so we share something special because something profound has happened. We've been saved by God and we've been saved together and we share that. Now what I want to do right now is I want to play a video. Um, and let me just set this up for you. The hero here is named Nicholas Winton. Nicholas Winton is a Brit, a Jewish Brit. Uh, was born on the continent and then moved to Britain when he was just a little boy. Grew up in Britain. At one point in 1938, he was, his family was well-to-do. He decided that he was going to go and um, do some skiing in Austria or Switzerland or something. And uh, just before he left, he got a call from a friend of his who was on the continent, I believe in Belgium or the Netherlands. And he said, listen, he said, the Nazis are killing everybody who is Jewish. And we've got some children that we can save. And so Winton canceled his trip and he went to join his friend, uh, whatever city that was in. And he, over the course of the next little while, was able to save 669 children. In the course of that, he kept a diary of all the names and the relationships of all those kids. And for a long time, for, for 50 years, I guess it was, because what I'm going to show you is in 1988. So for 50 years, he was silent about all this and nobody knew about it. And then 50 years later, his wife was going through their attic and found this diary with all of the children's names. So she brought it out, took it to the press, and the rest is kind of history in terms of him being recognized for what he did and saving his kids. So in 1988, there's a show in Britain called That's Life, and they had Nicholas Winton come as a guest on That's Life. And he doesn't know it, but there are children there that he saved. So watch this. Uh, it's really something. All the letters. But back here is the list of all the children... This is Vera Diamant, now Vera Gissing. We did find her name on his list. Vera Gissing is with us here tonight. Hello, Vera. And uh, I should tell you that you are actually sitting next to Nicholas Winton. <laughs> and it was just so wonderful, so terribly, terribly touching. 
She's one of the children that he saved. Can I ask, is there anyone in our audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton? If so, could you stand up, please? He, did, he didn't know what was coming. Isn't that cool? Isn't it wonderful? The bond that he must share with those people because they have been commonly saved. And isn't that what we share? We have a bond together in Christ that unites us in him. And there's nothing that can touch it. And the world longs to have what we have. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for the blessing that we have in Christ. We thank you, God, for the fellowship that we have. And Father, we pray that you would help us to not just appreciate that fellowship, but to exercise it, to live in it, to exalt in it. And we praise you this morning for the Holy Spirit that makes these relationships, these bonds special and precious. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us this. We pray through Christ. Amen.